Hello, and welcome to this episode of Playing in the Sandbox, Conversations and Pedagogy. My name is Katherine Troyer, and I'm so excited to once again be joined by Lauren Malone. Hi, everyone. So we are continuing our summer read-along, and that means that we are in the middle portion of Julie Schumacher's The Shakespeare Requirement. And Lauren and I both agree that there are several like bum-bum-bum moments that happen in here that are definitely worth talking about. So first, and I'm going to put you on the spot just like I did last time, <laughs> but this time it should be a little easier. Lauren, could you remind people of what happened has happened so far to the best of your recall? Leading up to the section, um, Jay has had a tooth extracted and he's on pain meds, which comes into play in this section. Janet is done with his crap. Uh, <laughs> We've met our hero that we don't get to see too much of, Angela Vacary, who is still very quiet, but is uh, enjoying her English classes, at least. And we have built up to our main conflict of our main hero, Jay, which is getting a consensus on the statement of vision in the English department, yes. which is apparently like herding cats. Which is such a shocker, because that's not at all what it's like <laughs> in the real world. So we start with in in chapter six that you know Fickers kind of Jay has has like decided that he's going to have this this action plan, but the action plan is doomed from the start. And I love the part where there's all those files to be filed, but only like three or four of them are relevant, mm -hmm. right? And all the others are grievances or miscellaneous <laughs> slash other because I feel like that's also about right. Having worked in in an English department office pre everything being digital. It was a lot of like, but why is this here? And what is it? And can it be thrown away? Please, please let it be thrown away. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as when I worked for my grandpa who was a dentist and I got to throw away the charts that were like 25 years old. So we had to shred them, but it meant that I had to shred them using one of those like tiny shredders that just goes over the trash can, not even like a formal shredder. And so it would, it would overheat every eh, five to 10 minutes. And there'd be other stuff in there that you couldn't shred, like dental things that like were belonged in people's mouths. So good times. So I, I just like, you know, again, every time I read this book, I just feel so, so very seen in all of my life experiences. <laughs> I think the party was like the culmination of all of my hopes and dreams. And, yes. and I didn't know that I wanted him to be on perk. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> to be hidden perk like that. But like it was it was perfect. And I was like, does does he remember that he took not one but two Percocet before he started yeah. downing alcohol? Cause yeah. this this is how you accidentally unalive yourself. Like <laughs> Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And so he's high. And then there's Lincoln, the the PhD student who is has like purposefully bought shirts that make him look like a waiter. So he can sneak in for food. Yeah. Yes. Which is And I love this line. Yes. And there was this line that said, at first, this culinary surfing was a source of shame and a necessity. Lincoln was $86,000 in debt. He estimated an ability to pay off his student loans about a week before his own funeral. And then he said that now he's seen it. He's choosing to see it as a politically subversive act. <laughs> Just like whatever, whatever it takes to feel good about things. Yeah. But then at the end, he's still like, I, I want to look like a waiter, not be treated like a waiter. I'm out. Like, and dips. <laughs> know, it's but, funny. I know. And it was, it was great to get to see some of the other people, mm -hmm. some of the other chairs and to realize that like, 
there's a line in here about like a island of misfit toys, right? And mm-hmm. it's like so very true that you just have to wonder like how have the rest of them, how has this university managed to survive? And it's the same way every university has managed to survive. It's just wild. <laughs> the descriptions of the professors of the group that Jay is standing with is, it was wild because A, it felt like a fever dream and that's probably because yes. he's high. But yes. high and drunk. But yes, he, but like also just like, I think one of the things that I really enjoy about Schumacher's writing is her ability to to write in details that feel trivial and superficial and insignificant, but make the entire page funnier, right? So yes. like having the, the one who had remnants of lunch and probably breakfast running down her the front of her dress, like, <laughs> yes. it's hilarious. And it has nothing to do with what's going on, but it's just like the little, the little things that Schumacher does to, again, make this seem, like, personal and make it seem like we've all been here before. Yes. Because, you know, the party scene, it's it's a not insignificant amount, right? It's, it's like, it's at least 10, 15 pages. And really, not much is happening, right? Like, you know, we, it's not like there's a revelation at the party that, you know, Roland is, is literally the devil, you know, or anything like that. Like there's, they're just having a conversation that, that feels so ordinary, but I think you're so correct that, that it's the ability to, of Schumacher to make us feel like, even if we haven't been in this particular party, we have been in a party at a university where it has been gosh darn similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I think is interesting that she's doing in that scene is sort of putting us in the place of the, all of the, all of the minions, all of the peons in the room. Yes. Because they've got this like big grand opening with all these important people, but she doesn't expend any page time to what's happening on stage it's all what's happening within the little subgroups and that sort of thing and so i think that was really interesting and also again one of the things that makes us feel like we've all been there yeah because i feel like most big events that i go to i'm not sure i could tell you much of what was happening on stage because it's oftentimes the only time i get to see so and so right and so there's there's that sort of connection and the description of Roland is this like gladiator type character. Also, I think was just he was already really well developed, but now I just feel like I can I can almost see him walking here down the halls of, of her campus and be like, "Yep, that's him." <laughs> and we finally got the the Roland Jay meeting that we wanted from yes, last time. Yes, and yes. The fact that Jay was high for it is oh perfection, and like also just I think Jay fills me with cringe in this particular book like last book it was like oh my gosh like the desperation is just filling me with annoyance yes and and sometimes rage but this book i'm just like bro because he keeps getting further and further physically deformed right like so janet comments on the fact that like not only does he look high but he's like limping which there's no reason he should be limping you know and like his mouth is all jacked up and then a little bit later and he almost chokes on the peanut later someone's like he looks like he had this giant bruise on his face he gets stung like, by the wasps in the first second <laughs> yeah so it's like he's just becoming increasingly monstrous which is just you know rather hysterical because you're right it adds to that cringe factor and the conversation with roland you know so there's like roland speaking he says to know who they can trust and Ficker says whom and then Roland just ignores him. And then Roland's like, it's really hard to 
to run a university. And Ficker's like, you're not running the university. <laughs> and again, he just kind of ignores him. So it's like everything you would anticipate and expect to be from from this conversation, including one of our first bump bum bums, which is because they did not turn in their SOV on time. Now it's not majority vote. It has to be unanimous approval, which is <laughs> not going to vote well for, for Ficker. Yeah. And like one of the things that I really liked in this chapter, really liked and really hated, was I had a visceral reaction to Roland saying the word quality. And I feel uh. like <laughs> I feel like anyone who's like worked really any anywhere in higher ed probably had that same like full body gross yes gross feeling. Yes. Ugh. <laughs> Be- because that there's that word that that we have heard there are other words that also become sort of the word that everyone is measuring by but much like quality right it is not quantifiable no matter how much you want to pretend that the word quality or for example the word rigor um are <laughs> are quantifiable they aren't right like they just really aren't so there's that and there was also a line in here about how somebody wasn't very worried because they figured that what would happen is QUAP would write up a document it would get approved Someone else would provide comments on it, then it would get filed away, and then no one would ever do anything with it. So, you know, the fact that she's setting us up for that to not be the situation here, yeah, it's a it's a very intense, intense moment. And I think, like, one of the things that I think makes Roland a really good villain in this context, even though you're kind of like, okay, but I, I understand what he's doing, and he's just like, better at playing the game than Jay is. Even though you have that, I think what makes him a really good villain is Schumacher is making him represent the way buzzwords are rep- weaponized in higher yes. ed. Yes. And and Jay's Jay's physical beatdown is kind of like reflecting his mental beatdown as <laughs> this goes yes. on. But like in Roland's interaction specifically, we see like him wielding the word quality like a sword, and he and he does want to use it like that because he wants to axe out the yes. English department. Um, yes. who he calls what bastions of of student something or other. Oh man, it was a good line, and I can't remember where it was. Oh, it was. Oh, here we go. Freeloading bastions of political correctness, whose students were encouraged to be afraid of re- real world ideas. <sighs> yep. Which, like, again, we've all been here. And again, what I find so compelling about Roland is, is that, like you said, he's clearly using these buzzwords to get his agenda across. But there is some validity to his ideas in the same way that, again, like, Thanos had some good points. A broke clock Um, is right twice a day. Exactly. Exactly. And so clearly, the English department is not functional at Payne University. Like, it is not benefiting anyone by being so broken. That doesn't mean Roland has the solution, but Roland at least is saying it's broken. We could do something to, to fix it. And I think that that's, I like the fact that like, he's not coming into a department that is fully functional and making these claims. He's coming into Chaos. a really depressing state of being. Yeah. Chaos and dysfunction. Yeah. Yes. So one of the other things too is I really like it when authors make a point to whether it's the villain or the hero or whatever terms you want to use for for the main characters that you're following. I really like it when authors make a point to not show them winning constantly. 
Yes. And I feel like this book was set up very, where it very easily could have been like just Roland bulldozing his way over the English department. And in some ways he is, but you also get this really great scene where he shows up to this meeting to get FaceTime with the president and the provost and the provost isn't there. And so he's like, well, this was completely pointless. And then he has to deal with like the other people that are on his nerves. But you also see like how the coach is weaponizing some of the things that we see in higher ed too. And so, and how they're, they, they know each other in terms yes. of what their strategy is because the coach comes in after him and does the exact same thing yes. that he did. So, yes. Yeah. Which reminds us that this could just as easily have been the English department up against athletics, yeah. right? Like that that it's not like you said it's not just that she is vilifying a specific discipline or department or approach. Um she's saying that you know like everyone's a little a little evil <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. And of course we find out that the reason that the provost is never around is because he's literally not in the country because he had some super tiny little work event that he has now turned into multiple weeks to be hunting spiders, which again, like, do I know someone that is part of the tarantula society? No. But do I know someone that is the equivalent of that? Yes. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. I uh, think that was one of the, one of the places where I cackled out loud was when the, the yes. who was it? The like student worker, I think. Was like oh it's, it was their like office admin yeah, yeah who was like oh oh yeah he collects tarantulas <laughs> and I was just yeah. like for some reason that one line took me out I know I know because because then there was like Jay got kind of detracted from his mission because he was like I have questions about this yeah and then he was like never mind <laughs> this isn't relevant what's relevant is but I just felt like that was so legitimate where you're just like but wait can we go back to the spiders for a moment mm-hmm. so we also get to see Angela again. And and we get to see that she's, you know, struggling, which is unfortunately about right uh, for many first years, and that she's finding all of these ways to look like she's not struggling to her mom, to the other people. And I thought it was interesting that Fran, although Fran is like the finder of the the lost and broken, um, but she she's the one that's like, come on in and, you know, we'll we'll let you have a spot for a moment until... You know, it turns out that they're kind of taking advantage of her by not paying her. Uh, but also commentary on how staff get a different yes. a different flavor of FaceTime with students. Yes. That they understand them on a in a different way. Yes. I think that's a really good observation. And and it's only because Fran is is just taking the time to pay attention, right? It's not that like it's not even that she's been assigned to her. It's just like you said, that they see something different because they're not in their office in the same way. And then I liked the fact that Jay, you know, after telling Angela that she couldn't work for him for free, uh, you know, made a point of grabbing her attention again to tell her, you know, that you're an exceptionally good writer. And that was kind of nice to see her like cherish that. Because I think all of us that have had a moment like that, you know, can remember when a professor, especially in those first couple of years, like took the time to tell us we were good at something that validated us in a way that, you know, like I remember when when my first English professor made a comment about something and I was like, oh, you know, and I cherished that little shiny nugget for a very long time. Then we get to the destruction of of the the poster. Yes. This gave me this exact same feeling of last book when we found out that Jay's student had died. 
it was a moment of, wait, did I miss something? Because it was really clear that Lincoln was talking about something specific. And I was like, okay, I had my caffeine today and I've been, and I was reading this, you know, after the nap, so I'm not tired. So I don't think I missed anything. But yeah, I was just going, wait, what, what did I miss? And then like, I did the thing where you flip to the end of the chapter and I was like, oh, okay. So something is going to be revealed. But yeah, it gave me that exact same feeling. And the fact that it's coming about halfway through the book is very interesting to me because it was the final punch in the last book. So I'm wondering what's going to happen there. And I don't know if it's because much like apparently everyone in this fictitious English department, I have things that I like to attach to my doors or walls or whatever. Or if it's the fact that that like... There's a line in here where he talks about the fact that his wife bought him the poster, right? And we know his wife died. I took that that like destruction of that poster rather hard because I was personally. like, yeah, I was like, that's not yours. How dare you? How dare you ruin this? Um, and the fact we by the end of chapter ten, we still don't know for sure who did it. Uh, it was an unexpected mystery that I wasn't anticipating um, needing to have in here. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it turned into a mystery novel halfway through what happened. I know. But I, know. I think I think that this is that point in the book is interesting because then we get to see Jay who is trying trying his damnedest at this point to actually do something, right? Yes. And cuz at, at first it was very much he was just trying to weather the storm, right? <laughs> and and get through yes, it. Yes, yes. But now he's trying to get something done. And so he's actually following Janet's advice. And yes, we see this conversation between him and Casavan where he's trying to do what Roland did in the first section with Tinkler, (laughs) but failing because he really doesn't under, I don't think he understands people. No, which is fair because I don't either, but my goodness. (laughs) He doesn't understand people and he also doesn't have anything to leverage, right? Like Roland can be like, we can give you. Or we just fed you a steak dinner just just to get you up here, right? And, you know, Jay's like, okay, if I paint, <laughs> you know, the office myself, then, you know, I mean, like, he's he doesn't have money and he doesn't have the people skills. And you have to have one or the other, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and one of the things, and he also, he also lacks self-awareness, which is what we spent yes. all of last summer talking about. Because I think even if you don't really know people you can know yourself and how people perceive you. And he's completely oblivious to that. Yes. And he's shocked when he finds out that like many of them did not want him to be hired. Yeah. And then, and then also just the way you're, you're not willing to work with me is very much giving you. I said all the right things. Why aren't you granting all my wishes like a genie? Like, yes. So, so I think that's interesting, but I also think that back to the sort of mystery element of, who defaced the Shakespeare poster. I read that conversation in a really specific way. And I'm wondering if you did too, because Mm. my reading of it, it felt like Jay was kind of accusing Casavan of having done it himself. Yes. Whereas Casavan was assuming that Jay meant that Jay did it, which is confirmation bias because he already thinks that one of his colleagues did it. And he's been like going over that in his head. And so I'm, I'm interested in how, that plays out right because somebody did it somebody did it yeah but i'm also interested in like i'm also interested in if it's going to be 
a situation where we never find out who did it, but this mm. was like a catalyst for something completely different that we're, we didn't see coming. Because yes. Schumacher's good at that. Yeah, I wouldn't, I think you're right. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we, if we never figure it out, because that's not the point. I do wonder, though, if it's Lincoln, because <laughs> I feel like he's the dark horse in this. But to go back to your point about Jay just not like being aware I mean, he tracks Franklin down in the bathroom, right? And he's like, could we talk about a few things? And Franklin's like, I'm a little busy, sir. And he's like, just a moment of your time. I assume there are other times, right? Like that you get to find someone, but like to Jay, that's, you know, might as well get it done. And so even his doing what he's been told to do, he can't do correctly or like normally. It would make for a fantastic film montage, I feel like. (laughs) I would I would like this and the last book in this book to be turned into a, like an HBO miniseries. I think it'd be great. Who I think would you cast great. as Jay? This is going to be a digression, but I, I just want to know oh, casting. This is a good question. He's giving me handsome but not charming. I'm going to think about this and, and that will be our task. For next so time. When we, for next time, we will say who we think should play Janet, Roland... And and Jay. And Angela. At the very least. And Angela. Yeah. And and maybe Lincoln and Casabon, depending on how much more they come into it. I'm probably gonna do like just all of the all, all of the named <laughs> oh, characters. I but I know. Well, and there's, you know, all the professors, like there's that line when she he's talking to the one professor who's like wearing that necklace made out of like construction pieces. Mm-hmm. And he's like, probably weighs at least 15 pounds. Like Schumacher just does such a good job. Like that's all I needed to know exactly who that person is. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and who they are in in my life. I also wanted to talk about when Roland goes downstairs because he's like basically surveying yeah. Willard Hall because he wants more of it. Right. And he even says like, it's so unfair that the English department has has more space and he's like sure yes they teach more classes but that doesn't matter and there's when he makes it down to the hovel that is the graduate student instructors there's a description of it as ah roland pulled out a chair he hadn't been in this part of the basement before and needed a moment to acclimatize can't say that word right but the room was hideous with three filthy barred windows and a bestos tile ceiling pockmarked with stains. <laughs> Beyond the table at the front of the room were a dozen cubicles, a sort of academic sweatshop, the squalid fabric dividers between them so low they provided no privacy of any kind. <laughs> and it's just like, I've been in that office. <laughs> I had to use that office. And it just cracks me up that, like, but especially that line that he had to like take a minute because it was so horrible he couldn't even handle it. He couldn't he couldn't process all of it at once. He had to yes, take a second. Yeah. Yes, and he still wants it, right? Because like it doesn't matter if it's terrible, at least it won't belong to to the English department. But it just cracks me up. And it cracks me up that like Lincoln is why is Lincoln so invested in the buttons and you know, is it that he's hoping to use this to get a job somewhere where he can be like, look, I helped revitalize the, the yeah. program? Or is he just really hoping that Casavan's going to die soon, which doesn't seem like a good plan, but you know. <laughs> I I thought it was interesting, going back to our point, that everyone's a little a little bit right and a little bit wrong. Or everyone yes. is a little bit right in their in their approach to things. The part with Lincoln that really stood out to me about that was him talking to Roland Mm -hmm. and Roland asks, how much are you selling the buttons for? And Lincoln's like, sell. (laughs) Yeah. And so that, I think that that's like 
sort of a microcosm of the of the larger you know debate between the two departments yes. and again they're both right because Casavan's walking through campus and seeing these buttons yes yes and they've gotten attention and Fitger's getting <laughs> getting hate mail yes which was hilarious oh. That was hysterical. And France, like, we have to keep it just in case. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But Roland's also right, because, like, they could monetize that and yes. probably bring in money from the English department. But no one's thinking about that. Yes. On their end. And instead, Cass Savan is writing and rewriting and writing again, you know, the, the first this book that, yeah, that no one's, no one's ever going to read, right? And yet he's, he could be making a difference with all these students if he interacted with them more. And so there's also this like way in which is commenting on like, what should we be spending our time doing, not just in terms of teaching versus research, but in terms of like making an impact. Cause he keeps saying Shakespeare is incredibly important, but, but he's not really engaging with the students, right? Like he goes in and lectures and then he works on his book. Oh yeah. That was another part that stuck out, stuck out to me. I think it is, really hilarious and i think it's because you know i'm it adjacent so mm -hmm. technology is is my job for a little while longer at least and <laughs> it stuck out to me his feelings about lecture and the way that he phrased yes. it because you've talked about lecture before and how yes it can be this productive effective thing that we do and it's like he he really reminds me of like just the inability to talk about the thing you do without crapping on the other things yes. that people are yeah. doing. He says he understood that most faculty had forsaken this traditional format, spending class time on a multimedia assemblage of PowerPoint, soundtracks, student caucus groups, clickers, and dramatizations. Casavan lectured. Yeah. Which it's like, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of that sounds fantastic. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with lecturing either, but like. No. But also, if lecturing is your entire personality as, an, as a yes. teacher, that's an issue. Yes. yes. At least he says he pauses for questions. Every but... 10 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, every 10 minutes, yes. And ends with a quote. Yes. I also really like, and if, if I, it probably wouldn't be as interesting as it is an idea if it was informed, but I almost wish there was an appendix to this book that was all the drafts of the SOV. <laughs> yeah. That, that that Jay makes up because my, one of my favorites is the haiku he writes. English at pain is about reading and writing and things in between. And I'm like, yes, actually, that's rather brilliant. <laughs> I love it so much. But you know, I, I do. I think it'd be kind of hysterical if we got to see the really long version, which would just be like, you know, a bunch of meaningless words and then these sh shorter versions. Yeah. So we move into chapter 10, which if you haven't read chapter 10 yet, you might want to stop listening because um, there are a couple of big like other bum 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 moments which again were not quite in terms of pages at the third mark we have a, i think a little bit more than a third left but these are some some big big announcements including the one that that angela is is pregnant which oh my and omg i know i worry about where this can go and you know i thought it was really i thought it was terrific how it happened right that like he was also shy and he's from her bible group and so you know, and it just kind of happened. And then, of course, the moment it does, he looks at her in disgust and horror because she tricked him or whatever. But I think I love the fact that she's like, who can she go to? And she's like, she should go to health services. 
that makes her feel really uncomfortable. Those are strangers. And then she's like, Jay, she'll go to Professor Ficker. <laughs> she can trust him. And I just, I cannot wait for that conversation to unfold because, oh, it's going to be so awkward. <laughs> it is. It's going to be wonderful. And, but like, also, I think that's, I think it's really sweet because like, I remember being like, I gotta go, I gotta talk to someone. Sure. Yeah. We'll make it Dr. Name Redacted. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also like being, being a queer professor and I'm sure you've had this happen yes. too, where you're like fielding people coming out to you and going yes. through all sorts of stuff. And so I'm like, yeah, I, I understand you get, you get the students who are like, you are a safe person for me. Yes. Yes. And often what, what happens to me is that I'm, I'm blindsided by those moments, right? Because they just come by during office hours. And like, when you're in office hour mode, you're like, okay, you know, thinking like, how can I make these appointments be fast for both of us, to maximize time and to give feedback on stuff. And then someone will come in and you're like prepared to tell them about how they need a better thesis statement. And then they, they start crying because there's something much more important than a thesis statement in their life. And for me, it's always like, oh, oh wait, I wasn't ready to be a human. Hold on. Let me, let me prepare myself. And I feel like I'm much better at being a human than Jay. So I can't wait to see how that unfolds. The other thing though, that we see from Jay is, is that he's the emergency contact for Franklin who did end up having his surgery. And at the very end of the chapter 10, he, he looks at Franklin's house, which he'd have to go upstairs to be able to use the bathroom, to be able to get to his bed. And he's had like major surgery. He has no food in the fridge except for tuna, lots of tuna. And then he says, um, Franklin, come on, I'm going to take you home. Right. And like, I love the fact that, that just when you're like, he couldn't be more curmudgeon -y. He couldn't be like less of a good person. We remember, like you said, everyone's a little bit broken. Everyone's a little good. Everyone's a little bad. No one is, no one's the prototype or the archetype. Right. Uh, and that's, that's an amazing skill as a writer to be able to make every character feel truly authentic as human beings. Yeah. And I think the, the one thing about Jay is that because he's like this for this one way, we perceive him as this one yes. way for so long in, in, you know, sections of this book and how he deals with people that when you do see those sparks of humanity, they yeah. feel real. They feel like they feel within the framework of this character because like he does care on some level. He's yeah. just, he's not a monster. He's just not a good person. <laughs> he's just, he just lacks self-awareness. And, and, but I think like he, the other thing too, is that he is the same as the rest of his department because yes. he also goes on a rant about what his classroom has to look like for yes. optimal learning. And he also has this really specific way of interacting with students. And we see him pause and take a step back from that in the case of Angela, um, yes. which is one of those, you know, flashes of humanity. And he also truly doesn't like whenever someone's like, we didn't like your book, he's like, Stain, you didn't, I don't understand. You didn't like my amazing magnum opus. So there's it always these reviews. like, yeah. So he's just, like you said, he's so unaware, just like everyone else in the department of like any of the other things or priorities that are going on. I'm very excited to see where this book 
goes next because so there's a lot of things to pack in there there is and there's a lot to there's a lot to get through i did spoil myself by looking at the last page i don't know plot wise where it goes but i think it will go in a positive direction for the character we care about most which is angela (laughs) good well i'm definitely not gonna read that the last the last sentence i really do wish I, i would love to see this as a as a mini series That'd be so good. Okay. So to those of you listening, thank you so much. To those of you that have taken a moment to to write in and share your feelings and enjoyment of the book, thank you. It's so much fun hearing from you all. So for our next episode, we will be finishing the book and Lauren and I will come with our casting of at least the major the major players. Oh, we got a cast Fran too. Um, at least the major players. So feel free to also be casting. I always cast a little bit um anachronistic so sometimes i'll have people that like can't be in the same stuff as other people because their timeline doesn't match Mm -hmm. so you know you can do it that way or you can have it be like this is who would have to be in it you know if it were to air tomorrow Mm -hmm. Uh, so feel free to do that lauren any final words of wisdom as people keep reading uh don't uh look at the last page if you don't want spoilers but that's all i've got (laughs) excellent thank you so much for listening and Uh, We will be back soon.